Choosing an energy company raises many questions. Who can make my electricity and natural gas work smarter? Where can I find a company that's easy to do business with, who knows the market best and has options to fit my needs? For millions of homes and businesses, there is one answer, Constellation. Decades of market intelligence and proven solutions from a trusted energy leader. Energy made efficient, simple, insightful, and flexible. That's what makes Constellation America's energy choice. Learn more at constellation.com slash energy. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Sided Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. We have a very special guest on the show today, WBBM's Brad Robinson, a great Chicago sports reporter. The three of us are going to talk about the offseason and some of these weird so-called rumors that are going on. We're also going to take a look at uh, Joe Madden, and he didn't get manager of the year, which is probably not that big of a surprise, but could you make an argument for it? I don't know. We'll talk to Brad and Adam about that. Uh, so, uh, without further ado, uh, let us welcome in our guest first, Brad. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you guys? I'm doing fantastic. Adam, how are you doing? Fantastic. Well, all right. So, let's just get right into it. Brad, these rumors have been very, 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 very weird. And let's just talk about the elephants in the room when it comes to it. Chris Bryant, the whole he could be traded type thing. We obviously know that the headline was a clickbait article from Buster Only. Um, he didn't actually say in the article that they were intending on trading Bryant. But on a scale of 1 to 10, just how crazy is that so-called rumor. I have a pretty good idea of what you're going to say. Yeah, on a scale of 1 to 10, I mean, it's like a 9.5, I'd say, and the likelihood of them actually trading Bryant on a scale of 1 to 10 would probably be maybe like a, a half of a percent, right? Um, look, the Cubs are right in the middle of their window of contention. Um, they have an MVP, um, not just – not just a piece ceiling, but a guy who's actually won an MVP, who before he got hurt this last year was playing at an MVP level. Uh, he's got three years of control left um, at arbitration rates. So even though his salary is going to keep going up and up and it's going to get rather expensive, it'll still be cheaper than, than he'll be after he signs a free agent deal. So uh, if the Cubs were looking to make trades – Chris Bryant is exactly the kind of guy they'd want to bring in, not push out. So, And on top of it, you know, he fits in with the culture of the team. Uh, he gets along really well with his teammates and with the coaching staff and with the front office. Um, the report is just, uh, it's silly. Listen, you want your GM to be open to anything. Uh, if a team wants to come and overwhelm you with a, with a trade proposal for one of your players, it, you owe it to the fans and your ownership and the other players in the clubhouse to listen, um, but that doesn't mean there's any intent to trade, any desire to trade, or anything like that. So I think Buster was a little bit, uh, 
a little bit loose in his assessment of what was what was going on. Right, because I think there's a difference, obviously, between saying, okay, you know, we're not going to hold anything back, so to speak, but you got to put realistic ex- expectations here. Uh, like, this kid is so good when he's healthy. What I want to know from you is, to, to hear your opinion, why are some Cubs fans, like, off the Bryant hype when – He's been healthy. He's been nothing but spectacular and one of the best Cub hitters ever. Well, baseball fans, and I think people in general, but uh, particularly sports fans, have a really short memory. So, um, you know, it's it's recency bias, man. The last time we saw Bryant, he didn't look like himself. He he wasn't hitting for power. Um, He was clearly not healthy. And I, I think people just kind of see that, and, and especially Cubs fans who tend to be a little bit on the, on the paranoid side to begin with, uh, see something like that and say, oh, no, here we go again. You know, it's Mark Pryor all over, all over again or, or whatever it is. Um, it, it's really just a matter of having too short a memory, I think. Yeah, I can agree with you there. Uh, Adam, what was your whole opinion on the so-called rumors? I, I would assume that you kind of reacted like us saying this is hogwash, right? Yeah, I never bought it, especially the – I thought a lot of it was just kind of clickbait garbage. The the, the headline is, makes it seem a lot lot uh, worse than it is. It, I mean, Theo Epstein never really specifically said anything about uh, being open to the possibility of trading Chris Bryant or wanting to trade Chris Bryant. I, I think it's all just bomb-throwing, but uh, – yeah, I, I think that they'll be open to trading maybe some of the core, but obviously the big guys like Bryant, Rizzo, no, those guys aren't going anywhere. It's, I wouldn't even entertain the idea of, of them trading Chris Bryant. It's just not going to happen. Well, and, and look, guys, when when GMs and team presidents and whatnot are going through their trade dialogue during the off season, you know, Oftentimes, names are brought up that are not intended to be traded at all. They're more brought up as a gauge to kind of see um, where the opposing GM feels uh, his needs are, where the opposing GM is placing value on some of their own prospects or some of your prospects. It's kind of gauging uh, where the other guy's coming from. So, you know, throwing out a superstar name like that kind of lets you see where their high, where other GMs high end willingness to uh, to deal comes from. So, you know, it's all just maneuvering and position, positioning. It really has nothing to do with any actual trades. I'm so glad you brought that up because that's a very interesting point. Uh, Brad, quick question. Do you think that there was a point in 2016, 2017, where Theo Epstein called Rick Hahn trying to get either a sale or Quintana and wasn't intending to trade Chris Bryant, but kind of asking, okay, what would you want? Would it include Chris Bryant in a potential trade? Do you think that ever kind of happened? Well, I'm sure the name was brought up. I mean, if, if Theo Epstein's calling Rick Hahn and saying, hey, I'm interested in Chris Sale, Rick Hahn's response would have to be, well, I'm interested in Chris Bryant, right? So I sure. mean, that's, that's just where these things start. And, you know, Buster is, is right in the sense that, um, that what he reported isn't necessarily false um, in that Chris Bryant's name, I'm sure, has come up in a number of trade talks. Um, but the way he reported it and the way he implied it 
really kind of came off as the Cubs are actively shopping him, which is just not right. the case. Well, yeah, and, and I, I, think, I wonder too if, if Buster only got to pick that headline. You know, I, sometimes a lot of times writers don't get to choose their own headlines, and really the headline was the only thing that may have been uh, a little bit misleading. Yeah, that's so true. The, the possibility of that is is very high. Yeah, you know, there have been times where you read someone's article and the headline is obviously clickbaity, but, you know, I think that the editor is like, well, we got to get some clicks here. That's how we get revenue, so we got to make this headline a little more suspicious. Uh, we saw the reports lately about Addison Russell saying how, you know, the Cubs are strongly consider bringing him back, but all it really said was they haven't made a final decision. Well... With any other rumor, I would I would ask you to uh, look at the information that's out there, look at who benefits from that information being out there, and who might have put that information out there. So in the case of Addison Russell, this is obviously coming from the Cubs at, at some level, um, and there's a clear uh, advantage to the Cubs to do this. And, and what that does is tell other teams that, hey, um, this highly respected front office is considering sticking with this guy and they think that highly of this guy now what that does is it what it is is it's an attempt to kind of rebuild even a fraction of the trade value that addison russell had i don't think the cubs are considering bringing addison russell back now i could be wrong on that i have no inside information on that but to me this is the kind of rumor that says to me the cubs are trying to position themselves to unload russell and are trying to to uh to shape the narrative around him rather than going with what we know already. Yeah, I agree with Brad on that one. I we've said for a while now that we think the Cubs and Addison Russell that those days are probably done. I just feel like if the Cubs were planning on bringing Addison Russell back, they would have already said something along those lines by now that that he would be coming back once his suspension was over. But since they've pretty much stayed quiet on that, I think the feeling is they're they're getting ready to to part ways. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty likely he doesn't play again for the Cubs. You know, a lot of people would agree with you. I think I've seen that that same take or opinion or whatever you want to call it. Again, who knows what's going to happen, but GMs do things that are probably a lot more gray than black and white, like some fans tend to think. You know, some fans will think just, oh, they call other GMs, see what they want, and they make a deal or they don't make a deal. There's probably so much more that goes into that that we don't even know of strategy-wise or thinking about the value of a player or certain players. Yeah, it's it's definitely not like making a trade in your fantasy league, right? I mean, you've got right. um, you've got three times as many general managers. You don't know where uh, anybody's uh, coming from as far as the way they want to build their team or what they prioritize because uh, a lot of these cards are held pretty close to the vest with GMs because it doesn't help them to get to to be overly transparent when uh, when negotiating. Uh, both with free agents or with uh, with trade partners, and you you gotta you know it's a game of poker, man, and you gotta play your hand. And in order to play your hand, sometimes you have to uh, kind of be a little misleading or bluff a little bit or embellish a little bit. You know, it's all about trying to hide the tells. Wouldn't it be nice if it worked just like it does in fantasy football? You could get a number one overall <laughs> pick for some Taco Bell. 
<laughs> I, I, a couple of years ago in fantasy football, I was in last place. I traded everybody for a bunch of draft picks, and I ended up with uh, DeAndre Hopkins and Todd Gurley in the keeper league. So, uh, yeah, I love that idea. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird. nice. That is true fantasy rebuilding right there. I like it. <laughs> yep. Those are money moves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm ten and zero now this year, so it's uh, it's gone well. <laughs> nice oh, man. Nice. Alex, I've fallen off fantasy. You you are in the hunt though. I I believe as of right now you are the the fourth playoff team. Well, the only team I care about making the playoffs uh, football wise is the Bears. So we'll have to wait and see on that. All my other fantasy leagues, I've I've kind of slacked off. I'm in four different leagues this year. I can't even keep track of them. You know, yeah, I, I think the Bears matters. could make. I think they could make the playoffs this year. I think there's a good chance they will, but I don't see them making a run. I just don't think they're quite there yet. Yeah, I used to have three fantasy teams, and it was just too much. I was finishing in last place in every one of them every year, so I just killed it down to one, and that fixed everything. Yeah, that way you could kind of concentrate on one, and you could say, all right, I'm rooting for you and not for you. Where in my case right now, I'm like, I really need Aaron Rodgers to do great against this defense, but I also have that defense on my other team, so what do I do? <laughs> yes, but we digress, right? Exactly. So I wanted to go into these uh, Theo Epstein pissed off comments that kind of make us Cubs fans truly think that he's going to do something big. Brad, everyone is asking, are they going to spend money? Are they not going to spend money? Are they going to make a big trade? Or are they going to just not make a big trade and make a bunch of small moves, either small signings or small trades? What do you think is going to happen? Because there's so many varying opinions here, and really the only one who knows what's going to happen, or at least the goal, is Epstein and Ricketts. Yeah, your guess is as good as mine on that. I mean, they've, you know, when I talk about playing the, the cards close to the chest, man, they've, they've done that pretty well. Um, I still think they will be involved with Bryce Harper. Um, I could be wrong on that, but that's my gut feeling. It makes uh, so much sense, and and uh, this Ricketts ownership group has never shied away from reinvesting in the uh, product on the field. So uh, I think they'll be involved there. I don't know how involved they'll be, but I think they'll be involved. Um, I think a, lo- a lot of what else they do will depend on um, some of the more albatross contracts that they have and being able to unload at least part of those and seeing what they're left with. Um, Listen, it's also worth noting that even if they don't sign any big free agents, which I don't think will be the case, but even if they don't, uh, they've got a lot of arbitration-eligible players whose salaries are going to be going up a great deal. I mean, they could do nothing but call their own free agents uh, and have a payroll like in the in the 230 to 240 uh, range. So, you know, they're going to be spending more money next year even if they don't sign big free agents just because that's the way these things go. Um, but I don't think they're going to let this window close without making serious additions. And uh, my guess is Harper, although, you know, maybe they find something more attractive on the trade market. Who knows? Yeah, I'm kind of with you there. I think that I could see it go either way. I, I guess another question would be, you know, we've been talking about the whole trade rumor thing. If there was somebody 
that you think could be traded, like most likely to, not necessarily saying, I know he's going to be traded, but the chances are higher than most people. Who would it be? Well, that depends on um, on what kind of trade you're talking about. I mean, if you're talking about a salary dump, um, I could see them, you know, eating a, a large portion of Chatwood's deal and sending him somewhere um, as a reclamation project. But as far as like trading somebody to get real actual value back, uh, I think that Hap might be the odd man out. I just don't think mm-hmm. he really. Uh, fits in with this roster the way that Almora does and the way that uh, Schwarber does. Not from a personality standpoint, point, more from uh, more from a skills and versus needs standpoint. And uh, you know he's not he's not a great center fielder. He can't really play second base. Uh, he seems to me to be a guy that needs uh, you know regular everyday at bats, which he's just never going to get here. Um, so I, I just think that he would look better on a team where he can play every day and kind of kind of grow into a more steady role. I can agree with that. Toyed with the idea of Ian Happ being a trade piece, kind of looking over other scenarios. And I kind of like it, what you said, it would seem like the most likely candidate, considering he's still young, he still has a pretty high ceiling. He's not really playing every day because, well, there's just not a lot of room on the team. Obviously, if they signed Bryce Harper or somebody else, they'd have to make more room on the team with another big addition. Adam, who is the guy you think could possibly be traded? My guess would be Kyle Schwarber. And I know he did a lot this last offseason to prepare for this year. He he cut down his weight a lot, and he really improved his defense. It It was definitely noticeable. But I still think a lot of American League teams probably see him as an attractive DH option and if they really are going to gun after Bryce Harper this offseason that I mean, they've already got kind of a crowded outfield as it is and so you you just got to think somebody's going to have to go and as for Ian Happ I could see him coming into a larger role as Ben Zilbrist uh, heads out the door because I, I don't think Ben Zilbrist is going to sign any sort of extension with the Cubs I think when that deal is up it's going to be over and then it might be Ian's Hap, Ian Happ's turn to uh, to prove himself a little bit more. I, I actually think with uh, Zobrist, if once his deal is up, if he wants to keep playing on a year by year basis, I think the Cubs would be open to to keeping him around in that capacity. I, I think they really like what he brings uh, as far as veteran leadership and 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 attitude and everything else. I I just think the the Cubs are are really quite smitten with Zobrist. Oh, yeah. I I could absolutely see them doing like, like a one-and-done thing with him and just until they don't see it working anymore. I, I just can't see them giving him like another three years at a time, anything crazy like that. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it would be interesting if they did that. I mean, let's be real here. Ben Zobrist has kind of been one of the best free agent signings the Cubs have had you know, outside of John Lester, if you looked at Theo Epstein's moves since this team became a contender, I think outside of John Lester, Ben Zobris might be the best signing in terms of what he brings, what he was promised to do, and let's face it, he had the most important base hit in the history of the franchise. I mean, you guys would probably agree, right? He's one of the best free agent signings ever for this yeah, team. Yeah, and he's, you know, th- he's up there. There, yeah. there. there were a lot of people who were upset 
that the Cubs chose Zobrist over Starlin Castro, and that has proven to be the right move, I mean, on every level. <laughs> so I, I supported mean, that since, move from day trade, one. Just let it be known. Yeah, I mean, since, since they traded Castro and signed Zobrist, I mean, I, I, I think Zobrist has been the better player, and he's been more valuable to this team based on, uh, based on the intangibles that he brings as well. Now let's imagine that same scenario where Ben Zobris came to bat in Game 7, extra innings, two on, one out. Zobris gets the clutch base hit. You know what I could see Starlin Castro doing? Rolling over right to the shortstop <laughs> like he did so many times. Yeah, that's, that's a thing of his. Well, that's the, that's the thing about Zobris. Is he, he's not a real flashy player. Uh, but he's he's one of the more dependable players they've got. He his consistency is is pretty remarkable. And the fact that he just like you said, he doesn't bring flashiness, but he brings what you would want in a ball player. Let's look at all the at bats this year that pretty much every Cub batter had. You could argue, and I bet you a lot of stats would back it up. Yeah, Javi was the most productive hitter and pr- the best overall player on the team. But if we're just looking at pure hitting, it, it, like Zobris felt like the guy I wanted up in big situations more times than not because he would give you a good at-bat every time. It felt like every time he was up there, he would get to a 3-2 count, and he wouldn't chase anything bad, and he would always put the barrel on the ball. He was just so reliable with that because even with Rizzo, Rizzo is really good at doing that too, but he wasn't as consistent last year. So there were times when he was chasing bad stuff. You just it felt like last year Ben Zobris consistently had great at bats. Yeah, well, Zobris and, is, and, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I just think from an attitude perspective too, I think Ben Zobris is a, a perfect fit in that clubhouse. Because, I mean, you, you don't want nine Javi Baez. And I'm not talking about talent or skill. I'm just talking about, you know, mentality. You don't want nine Chris Bryants either, guys who are seemingly quiet. I think the Cubs really have done a good job of getting a, a perfect mix of you know, young, 100-mile-per-hour attitude and veteran leadership. Yeah, when, when Theo talks about culture and character and things like that, uh, that is kind of what he's talking about, is, is finding a way to make, um, you know, he realizes that these are people playing the game, and, and people are all different. Everybody's got a, a different way they go about doing their job, a different way of communicating, a different way of, uh, you know, of, of leadership, a different way of uh, working with teammates. And all those, all those things kind of have to meld together between all those guys in the clubhouse to make a cohesive unit, which is really difficult to do. And uh, I don't think that's given enough attention in today's baseball analysis is is how you actually build a team of people that are all pulling the rope the same way, right? And Zobrist is a guy who he's an old school player uh, as far as his playing ability and the way he plays the game. Um, He's kind of new school in his attitude as far as uh, the, the joy that he brings to the game you know, the guy's always happy. He's always got a smile on his face. He's, he's definitely an emotional leader on that team. But he's an emotional leader in a different way than Javi is, in a different way than Wilson Contreras is and then Rizzo is. And, and the, the way Zobris goes about it is almost like 
in a paternal manner, and I think that's something that this team has has needed a lot, especially considering when they signed him, they were so young. So, uh, yeah, Zobris, from a personality standpoint, has been like a glove for that that clubhouse. And from a playing standpoint, he's exactly what they've needed, which is a high-contact guy who gives you a quality at-bat every time who you can count on with guys on base. I think you said it perfectly. Clubhouse culture, a lot of it is about appropriate balance. Like you said, you don't need everyone to be Javi Baez. You don't want everyone to be Chris Bryant. You need that balance there. and it's, it's almost like a puzzle piece. You know, he's one of the essential pieces you put in the middle to complete the picture. It's something that I think a lot of young players would like to aspire to be. Yeah, the lack and of selfishness, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the way yeah. he approaches an at bat, you know, to pass the baton, it, it's, it's always about the greater good with Zobrist, which is uh, really refreshing. Yeah, I was I was going to bring up the same thing Brad just said, is that Zobrist has been a, a pretty selfless ball player. If I remember right, when he originally signed with the Cubs, I think that the contingencies is that he would play mostly second base. Maybe I'm remembering mm-hmm. that wrong. I, I don't know well, for sure, right. but That's correct. he's played all over. He's played second base and a bunch in the outfield, and we've never once heard him complain about playing too much in the outfield. So he's no? obviously a team player. When I picture Ben Zobrist, I picture him playing the outfield more than the infield, and infield is what he was mainly supposed to be doing. I mean, on the opening day depth chart for 2016, he was the starting second baseman. Even though he was a utility player, I always thought of him as a second baseman first. And obviously, you traded one of your infielders, Castro, so you can make room for another infielder, Zobrist. The Castro trade and the Zobrist signing was pretty much all one big giant move, and you know, now he's playing a lot of outfields. When they won the World Series, he was playing left field. And, you know, he may not be a gold glover with a lot of range, but I think for his age, for the type of guy he is, he holds his position pretty well, whether it's second base or the outfield. Yeah, he's not really uh, very good at doing either um, outfield or second base anymore, but, uh, but he does it, you know, to a point where it's passable and uh, and everything else he contributes, you, you can live with that. Right. It's not like Daniel Murphy bad at second base. Exactly. Exactly. So moving on here, uh, we had the Manager of the Year awards come out, and obviously there's a lot of debate. It went to the Braves manager. Big congrats to him. It seemed like it was really between him and Craig Council. Now, Joe Madden was on that ballot. And, yeah, okay, I can see why he didn't win manager of the year. I didn't expect him to win manager of the year. But could you have at least made a case that this was one of his better managed years? It's been a very popular topic of conversation, uh, especially with the way they lost Chris Bryant for, you know, a while. They lost you Darvish for most of the season. And you had a bunch of other nagging injuries going around the whole team. And you had a stretch of games where you didn't have an off day for like over a month. Uh, Adam, quickly start with you. Would you have given at least Joe Madden a consideration, or do you think that the other managers still kind of did a lot better than Joe Madden did? Yeah, I, I think that he he probably could have been in the discussion. I wouldn't have picked him. He wouldn't have been right. my choice for NL manager of the year. But yeah, I, there's, there's a lot of truth to what you said that, you know, considering the circumstances, everything that this team dealt with this year 
all sorts of nagging injuries uh, to star players. 95 wins. 95 wins is a lot when everything is clicking just right. And so to get 95 wins when you know they seemingly couldn't catch a break all year long, I think there's something to be said for that. But you know, at the same time, there also were a lot of players on this team who underperformed, and so sure. it's, it's hard to it's hard to you know draw the line of where do you give Madden credit for for overcoming that, or is it Joe Madden's fault that some of these guys aren't playing up to their potential? So you know. I think I think he deserved to be in the discussion, but ultimately, I think the the right choice was made. Yeah, in another year, um, I think you could make a good case for him to be manager of the year. Uh, but given that the Cubs were expected to be so good, uh, and there were a couple surprise teams in the Braves and the and the Brewers, um, then you know Madden's not going to win it in a year like that. However. Uh, I think this was his best year as manager in a Cub uniform. Uh, he was very good in 2015 as well, but this year, let's let's run down a few of the things he had to deal with. Wilson Contreras, his bat, gone. Uh, Kyle Schwarber in the second half, his bat was gone. Ian Happ did very little offensively. Albert Almora didn't really, you know, he had a nice stretch there for a while, but didn't really progress offensively the way you want him to. He lost his MVP for the majority of the season. He lost the guy that was supposed to be his ace for the vast majority of the season, and when he did pitch, he wasn't good. He lost not just one closer, but two closers down a stretch where you had one day off in the last six weeks of the season. Uh, all of those things, and he still managed to win 95 games. Just one of those things goes differently, and there's no game 163. The Cubs easily win that division, and you know, yep. it, and it probably are closer to 100 wins than 95 wins. So, um, listen, I know Joe is is a lightning rod for criticism. Uh, the way he handled the Addison Russell stuff was was not good. It was really tone deaf, um, and and he's put his foot in his mouth a few times this season. Uh, I agree. But, man, results are results, and uh, the guys in that clubhouse have not given up on him from what I've seen. You know, they they they, they didn't not win because uh, a lack of focus or a lack of uh, his players receiving the message. It seemed to me that they were, were you know, busting their butt just as hard as they were the last three years. Uh, and, and, you know, if you're – Manager hasn't lost the clubhouse, and he's still getting results. I don't know what else he can do. On the list of things that went wrong, I think you could add Anthony Rizzo to that to the that list as well, because he was pretty much non-existent at the plate for most of the first half of the season. You know what? What was also non-existent the first most of the first half of the season was the pitching rotation, man. I mean, yeah, were, yeah, yeah. Nobody they, they could even go five together by the bullpen until the All Star break. I've been critical of a lot of in-game moves that he's made throughout his tenure, um, but no, I, I thought he had very good strategical season this year. A couple of mishaps, you know, the stroke thing, and, and but listen, any manager is going to have a few, um, you know, strategical mishaps throughout the course of a season. Uh, as for the lame duck thing, it's going to create a really weird vibe around this team going into spring training. I think I. I you know, I don't know what the relationship is like between between the front office and Joe. Um, I'm sure they have other 
managers that they're curious about that are probably quite a bit cheaper. Um, but, you know, I, I, I can't say as I really blame them for wanting to go another year before making a decision. And if, if Joe's sure. happy here and they're happy with Joe, it really shouldn't matter. I think that's a fair way to look at it. I guess another question I would ask is, do you think that Theo Epstein and Joe Madden are going to kind of sit down before the season and maybe say, hey, let's get a really good understanding of what we both want here? Because in Theo Epstein's end-of-the-year presser, he kind of pointed to a few things that happened with the team that could be read as calling out the manager. Do you think there's going to be a bit more communication done this year? Well, I think there's there's going to have to be, um, you know, it's it, the take I get is that Theo is really not happy with the way uh, Madden handled Brandon Morrow. Um, yeah, I, I think there's there's uh, some valid criticism there um, from Theo, and if if they had come up with a plan to not pitch Morrow. Um, you know, so many days in a row, and then Joe went out and threw him three days in a row. Yeah, that's a problem. If 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 the manager is is really going away from an agreement that he had made with the front office, that is a problem, and that's the kind of thing that could really um, strain a relationship over the course of time. Uh, so I, I yeah, I think there's probably going to have to be a a sit down, come to Jesus meeting between the two, so they really kind of understand where each other's coming from and what they are both thinking for the future. Yeah, I think I would agree with you there. Adam, question for you. I think you and I talked about it earlier. We were kind of talking about the new hitting coach, and Brad, you can chime in on this too. We were talking about the new hitting coach a few weeks ago. Do you think that the changes being made to the coaching staff, and we're not even done looking at the full coaching staff, do you think that this is Theo Epstein's way of coming in and saying, look, Joe, you had your guys last year. It didn't work. We're going to do it our way now. Do any of you guys see that? Uh, to At least to some degree, yeah. I, I think that, you know, Joe would probably have a pretty hard time arguing with that. But, yeah, I, I see this as Theo sort of intervening a little bit. And, you know, as much as I wanted to give Chili Davis – a, a little more of a chance, you know, like we said, it just it can't be a coincidence that nearly everyone lost their power all at once as soon as they hired a new hitting coach. So I I, I think that you know I wouldn't necessarily have held it against them if they gave Chile a little more time, but I I also think partly that their hands were just tied. Yeah, this is a, a strategy that is kind of. Uh an age old one from front offices when a, you know, when they're not overly happy with the manager, but they don't necessarily want to cut ties. Um, you know, they step in and make some changes on the manager's staff. Um, I, I think some of the criticism from the players, uh, as far as the way Chili Davis was approaching the job during exit interviews really weighed heavily on the decision to, to, uh, replace him. Um, look, I don't think Chili Davis is, Baseball philosophy is all that bad. I just think he did a poor job of uh, explaining it and and executing it with younger players, if that makes sense. Like, listen, there's a, there are certain things in baseball that will always be true. 
making contact is always going to be a good thing, right? Like you could talk about the three natural outcomes or whatever. It, it's it's nonsense. You want the ball in play because if you put the ball in play, you have a better chance that something good is going to happen. You forced errors and everything else. So uh, Chili Davis's idea of like, listen, with two strikes, shorten up, try going the other way. You don't have to hit a home run all the time. That's not a that's not a bad message to send. But the way he was sending it didn't resonate with the with the younger younger players, and a lot of them who were struggling. So the Cubs kind of had to make a move. But now it better be a Chili Davis effect that was killing the power. Otherwise, it's going to reflect pretty poorly on a lot of guys on this roster. Oh yeah, for sure. Especially since 2017, they pretty much lived and died by the long ball. And just while we're on this subject, a quick curious question for you, Brad. Did you think hire, uh, firing Maley was the right choice? Because what I remember was everyone after the 27 postseason wanted him fired, gone because of way too many strikeouts. Now everyone's saying, why the heck did we fire this guy and hire Chili Davis? The way I see it is, yeah, they needed to make the firing in 2017. It just it, it didn't work out with the guy they hired. One thing in sports that I think some people don't always look at is just because you hired the wrong guy doesn't mean firing the previous guy was the mistake. Does that make sense? What, what's your opinion on yeah, that? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. I mean, uh, look at the Bears. Um, Lovey Smith's time with the Bears had come to an end, I think. I think yes. it, it, it had just run yes. its course. Um, and I, I've always been a big Lovey Smith fan, and I, you know, I think he did a fine job with the Bears. But you know, his time was done because Mark Trestman was horrible. Doesn't change that, right? <laughs> so, um, you know, you, you have to you have to take each case on a uh, on an individual basis, and and what happens afterwards is not necessarily reflective of the decision that was made w- with that particular. Uh, coach or that particular manager or player or whatever it is that you've decided to part ways with. Everybody's different and everybody fits in differently. And man, look, after 2017, it was a problem that they weren't making enough contact and that they had to rely on home runs that much. That was a problem. That's what cost them uh, that NLCS. It's what cost them the NLCS in 2015 as well. So, uh, you know, this, this, this had been an ongoing thing. Look, there's a nice middle ground between um, waiting for the three-run homer and being able to to make uh, make runs happen when you aren't hitting the ball out. You have to be able to do both. And the problem with Chili Davis is they weren't hitting with the power. The problem with Melee is they weren't doing the other. They weren't hitting uh, with, with contact. So, you know, you got to find a guy that's going to be able to bring in that balance because that balance is where you find a flourishing offense. I'm so glad you brought up the Lovey Smith analogy because that's one analogy I always go to with this sort of thing. And that's always what I go to when people bring up Lovey Smith in general, when they say, oh, we shouldn't have fired a guy 10 and 6, but that's a whole other show. I could go on that forever. But, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because it's, that's exactly what I think every time I talk about this. So, guys, we have about three minutes left in the show. I guess, um, Adam, we'll start with you and then we'll end with Brad here. Final thoughts on the Jim Hickey situation. Do you think he's going to be back? Do you think he should be back? When do you think this decision is going to be made? That's a tough one. You know, I, 
I'll just keep it brief since we're short on time here. I, I think he I think he'll be back. I think he should be coming back. That's that's all. So. All right, um, Brad. What do you in- think? Well, my instinct on this whole thing is there may be um, something we don't know about at play here. Um, I don't know what you listen. If he was going to be gone, uh, it would it would benefit the Cubs to fire him early in the off season. That way, they can be uh, front and center when teams are starting to fill out their coaching staffs and have their pick of who they want. Now, the fact that they didn't fire him when they fired Chili Davis. Um, it, that doesn't make any sense if they're going to end up firing him anyway. So right. know, I'm wondering if there might be something else at play. I don't know what that is. I don't know whether that's Hickey deciding if he wants to do it again or if there might be something uh, family-related going on. Or but, but the way this whole thing has kind of played out so far tells me that this isn't just a baseball decision and it's probably not just a decision coming from the Cubs. There's probably something going on with uh, either Madden or Hickey or, you know, something away from the field that may be contributing to the kind of weirdness in the way in which this is handled. Yeah, we'll uh, have to wait and see what happens because I think Jim Hickey did a pretty good job last year overall, despite the fact that the pitching rotation was very disappointing for the first half of the season. But, you know, you look at the way the bullpen performed and you look at the way the pitching came around in the end, I don't think you could put a lot of blame there. Well, we are out of time here on Climbing the Ivy. Brad, thank you so much for coming on. It was great having you. Anytime, guys. And, Adam, thanks again for being a good co-host. And uh, hopefully next week we can continue our game. Um, But, yeah, really good show. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And reminder, you could listen to this on iTunes, and you could go on the Cubby's Crib Spreaker page where all the episodes are posted. They will also be posted all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, so keep an eye out there. Until next time, he's Adam, I'm Alex, and that's also Brad, our guest. Thanks for listening, and have a great night. Today, I will not stress over the things I cannot control. If you live with anxiety or depression, you're not alone. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health is here to help you manage your symptoms so you can live your best life. Visit eehealth.org slash anxiety, and our experts will connect you with treatment in your area, including our location in Hinsdale. Help for anxiety and depression close to home. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health. Today, I will not stress over the things I cannot control. If you live with anxiety or depression, you're not alone. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health is here to help you manage your symptoms so you can live your best life. Visit eehealth.org anxiety, and our experts will connect you with treatment in your area, including our location in Hinsdale. Help for anxiety and depression close to home. Linden Oaks Behavioral Health.